Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, Ram Nation? We are back with another edition of DNVR Rams Live, the live extension of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. As always, I'm your main man, Justin Michael, and we've got just quite a bit to go over today. I mean, we, we got to spend our first significant time with Matt Mummy as well as Freddie Banks, the various coordinators that have been brought in to help Jay Norvell try and turn this thing around. Pretty excited about the direction of the program, guys. I I, I really feel like they're down to earth. Um, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, I guess I'll add that just before we dive into it, just because it's pretty easy to win the intro press conference. And that's what I talked about with Jay Norvell. You know, I mean, it, it's more of a red flag if you don't do well the first time you speak. And, you know, kind of lay out your vision for what you expect, why you got hired, why you're excited to work with Jay, all of that. But it felt very genuine. Um, I, I liked what I heard as far as just being flexible and, you know, kind of scheming to the skills of your players. I'm going to talk about that. You know, Matt Mummy, his dad literally invented the air raid. It'd be pretty easy for him to get set in his ways to be just one of those typical football coaches that, you know, thinks they know it all, but it's clear that he's willing to improvise. He's learned a lot from the coaches that he's worked with over the years, and I'm looking forward to diving into that. And then we will talk about the men's basketball team. The Rammies back to their winning ways, took down Utah State 77-72 to advance to 12-1 and on the year. We'll give some takeaways on that performance, the direction of the team moving forward, all of that fun stuff. Um <laughs> If you take away anything from today, it's just going to be relaxed a little bit. Take a chill pill. Some of you guys need to think before you tweet and remember that this team is 12 and 1. Uh, before we dive into all this, Chevalier Mortgage's ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. They strive to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind, with the highest level of integrity, always putting their borrowers first. Something to keep in mind for our homeowners with prices going up, it's creating natural equity in your home. If you have mortgage insurance, chances are you can refinance out of that. Make the bubble work for you. If you're in the buyer's market, you know how stressful trying to buy houses right now. I mean, especially out in Colorado, it's, it's crazy out here. Let Mike and Virginia Chevalier help you take the burden off of this process. They're going to alleviate so much stress, and they're just going to take some of that worry off of your plate. They're proud DNVR members. There's TSU alum, and they actually have a fun perk for DNVR listeners if you go to dnvrmortgage.com. Not only are you going to be able to enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat, most importantly, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. 
You can also give my guy, Mike, a call directly at 970-412-2472. Or again, just go to dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. All right, let's let's get just let's just jump right into it. I tried to make this as concise as possible. We spent an hour today with Norvell, Mummy, and Banks. So obviously a lot of information to kind of dive into, but yeah, the first thing I want to say is Norvell just seems like a like a cool guy, like the type of person you would want to hang out with. He's definitely the most stylish coach that I've gotten to cover so far. I know that you guys don't care about that, but I do. He's got some swag, you know, came out today rocking the the sweater over the the polo, got the, you know, real sharp football coach looking. I don't know. I just, I, I dig his whole persona. I like a guy that's confident and, you know, dresses, you know, like he cares and looks good and knows that he looks good. And, and that's certainly Norvell. When I was around him at the Mountain West Media Days in Vegas, he definitely had the sharpest suit on of anybody there. So th- this is consistent. You know, it's not a one hit wonder with him. He brings his A game every day when it comes to the swag element. Um, one of the things, and, and you'll see this kind of quote circulating on Twitter now because CSU Football shared a clip from it. Jay Norvell really respects the history. And I just liked a lot of what he had to say on, I mean, the program. You know, he, he told us that he recently spent time with Sonny Lubick. And I kind of asked him, you know, like, how, how familiar were you with Sonny prior to coming in? Because obviously, Jay's been in the game for a long time. He's been around the block. He admitted, you know, most of what he knows now he kind of picked up, you know, since taking the job. And that's okay. I mean, I, I respect the honesty of his answer. But, you know, he he really, you could see in, in his face how excited he got to kind of talk about the time he spent with Sonny. And he talked about all these common coaches that they knew and just the respect that he had for him and, and what he'd established here and, and how important it is to him that Sonny feels welcome and at home at CSU football. I mean, he he brought up when he worked at Oklahoma back in the day and Barry Switzer, obviously big, you know, the, the building's named after Barry Switzer, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time. I believe he went to be uh, the AD as well. Um, he lived two blocks away from the OU football facility when Jay Norvell was there. And he would just come in all the time, you know, just walking his golden retriever, you know, just hanging out. And everybody loved it because, you know, that was Barry Switzer's program. This is Sonny Lubick's program. And he said that multiple times. I just, I really love the answer. Again, you know, it is what you should say, like pander to the CSU fans a little bit, you know, bring up the guy that we all love. We're going to eat that shit up. But it it felt very genuine. And and that's the thing that's kind of stood out to me about these coaches and all my interactions with them thus far. It's just, they seem like very genuine guys. Like I'm, I'm not trying to take shots at the previous staff or or anything like that. But I mean, even going back to the very first one-on-one that I had with Steve Adazio, there was just this sense that, you know, he, he wanted to be anywhere but where he was in that room with me. And I get it. I mean, it was one of those awkward situations where I got a one-on-one, then Kevin got a one-on-one, Eddie got a one-on-one. So it's just, you know, back to back to back. From a convenience standpoint, I understand why those happen, but it's basically the worst way you can do an interview because if you're the last guy to go, you know, obviously they're they're fed up. They don't want to do it anymore. And I was definitely one of the last guys to go. You know, I was also one of the last guys to go with Jay Norvell, though. And 
you know, he, he couldn't have been any more genuine with me, you know, gave me eye contact the entire time, answered everything graciously, even gave me extended time. I mean, they were, they were on a, you know, a time crunch there. And I've, I've just been very, very impressed. And I've, I've really appreciated how down to earth these new football coaches seem to be. I mean, they're just, there, there tends to be this sense of superiority entitlement I, I don't really know what it is it's the ego just getting inflated by all the power you get as a head coach it seems like based on everything that we've heard from the people that have worked with norvell the players that have you know suited up for him and the way he's conducted himself here over this first month he kind of seems like a different guy you know a nico medved type where it's just you know there are there are rare diamonds in this industry where not only are they good coaches, but they also are good people. I get that impression so far. It's early. You know, again, I don't want to jump to too far of conclusions here, but I, I just really like, I really like the vibe of the program right now. Um, he told us that he recently sat down with Tim Cassidy, who is the senior associate athletic director slash football chief of staff, which is a super badass title, by the way. Uh, they mapped out their 12-month plan. He kind of explained how they like to work backwards and kind of go from there. Everybody's obviously really excited to get the players back on campus, begin those winter workouts. Um, but really, I mean, it, it's going to be about recruiting these next couple of weeks. You can kind of start to implement some stuff in the winter workouts, you know, from a culture standpoint. You can, you know, show some film and stuff, but it's not like you're... It's not like you're out there, you know, running drills or anything like that. So these next this next month or so, it's it's really going to come down to recruiting. They're about to go into a contact period, which obviously means that, you know, they can go to those high schools. They can kind of just spend some time with the the players and, and get to know them a little bit. There's currently about six open scholarships. That number is ever changing. And, and obviously, they're going to really focus on defense, which is not new. I mean, we we kind of knew that. He he mentioned back during the early period that he wanted the defensive coordinator, who is Freddie Gi- uh not Freddie Gibbs. Oh my goodness, it's it's been a long couple of days. He wanted the defensive coordinator to have a role in that. We got to spend some time with him today. It, it was great to meet Freddie Banks. Excuse me. Um, they they are going to continue to to emphasize cornerback, and and that's going to be a big focal point for the defense, what they want to do recruiting wise. What I really want to talk about is uh, kind of what we learned about the status of the Colorado kids, which is obviously something that I think a lot of people are, are going to be concerned with or, you know, have an opinion on at, at the very least. You know, there were seven guys from Colorado originally committed under Steve Adazio. As of right now, Coyote Jr., the wide receiver slash defensive back out of Cherry Creek, will play wide receiver at CSU. He's the only original commit to sign with Norvell. Um, we've seen a lot of posts recently from guys on the status of their scholarships or or lack thereof, I guess, moving forward. Norvell did say today, though, he wants these guys to be a part of the program and he intends to go out and, and meet them, you know, face to face with some of these other coaches. And, you know, I imagine most of them will get offered preferred walk on opportunities and I, I hope to see guys like, you know, Bryce Johnson and and Cooper Walton end up as Rams in the end. But I also wouldn't blame them if if they felt disrespected by the process and, and they want to move on. It's it's just one of those tough realities of, of a staff change. And we've already, you know, made this point before in terms of roster turnover. So I'm not gonna go on a big, 
you know, long monologue here, but unfortunately, when you make a staff change and when you, you know, shift ideologies and, and what you are going to be doing this drastically, there's always going to be people that aren't happy. You know, you can't necessarily please everybody in this scenario. And it, it's unfortunate that, that guys get scholarships pulled in this in this reality. I mean, I I wish that the school could still honor a scholarship and, you know, not, not even necessarily have them on the football team, but just be like, look, we can't have you on the team because that's over numbers. But if you really want to come to CSU, we'll still honor your scholarship. Like that, that feels like it would be a, a less scummy way to do it to me, but that's not how it works. And it, it's unfortunate you got a limited number and, you know, you're paying Norvell to come in here and, and turn it around and people want to win. And, you know, if you want to win, you kind of got to have to trust him to handle this talent evaluation process and make some of these difficult decisions when it comes to scholarships. And, you know, his vision for the program is not necessarily going to, you know, be in line with what Adazi was. And and why would it? It's it's completely different. They don't do anything alike. So I, I get that it's a tough situation. And I definitely, you know, send my best regards to those Colorado kids that were recruited and, and you know, now no longer have a scholarship. I feel for them. You know, I'm I'm not gonna celebrate it or anything like that. It sucks. It's an unfortunate product of hopefully, you know, building a, a winning football program. And, you know, some of that comes kind of comes down to recruiting and, and just having high standards for talent. You know, I I know Adazio loved to sell himself as this guy that was gonna, you know, find the diamonds in the rough and, and coach him up. And, you know, he had this ability apparently, you know, to identify talent that nobody else was or, you know talent that FCS teams were interested in or big sky teams and, you know, stuff like that. But I honestly think the reality of it was he just wasn't that interested and in, in trying to go out and recruit aggressively. And it, it's hard work to land some of these players over power five schools. You know, it's, it's not like a two night process, you know, it's days and days of communication. It's scouting. It's, it's establishing those relationships with the families and the coaches and, that's a process that some coaches just really aren't that interested in. And, and maybe it's unfair of me to say that of, of Adazio, but that's at least what it looks like. Because when you see the, the level of talent committing now and then the types of players that Norvell has already been able to pull without even coaching here at CSU, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear. Like they were kind of on coast mode when it comes to the recruiting process. You know, they, they went out and they find, they found some guys again, like I was excited about, you know, Cooper Walton and, I still think Bryce Johnson can be a pretty good D1 player and and you know Coyote, you know, again, I I really like his potential, but I mean it's tough to argue and you know, Norvell's coming in here and pulling former four stars and getting guys to flip from UCLA to CSU and former Washington commits and all that stuff, you know. I mean, it's just the proof is in the pudding, as they say. And it's clear that this staff is really doing a dynamite job recruiting wise. So I'm I'm excited to see, you know, how it all comes together. And then I'm obviously excited to see how this offense, you know, comes together. Norvell talked about how excited he is to continue to be able to work with Matt Mummy. He obviously brought over Bill Best, the offensive line coach, Chad Savage, who is the tight ends coach and handles a lot of their recruiting responsibilities as well. That continuity, you know, it's it's big for being able to hit the ground running. It's also big that they were able to bring over so many of these former Nevada players. And I'll talk about that when we get to Matt Mummy. Um, but one of the things that Norvell really wants to emphasize is that everything that they do in this program is going to be built on 
repetition and fundamentals. And, you know, he just, he kind of made it clear today that they have a long way to go in kind of getting this thing where they want it. The practice, the way that they practice is going to change drastically. The style, I mean, it's a type of football that you can kind of fine tune and work on 365 days a year. That's not necessarily the case when you're a power running team. The physicality of that, you know, that's not, that's not something you can do every single day. You know what you can do every day? Throw a football, catch the football. So it, it's, a, it's a lot of responsibility on these skill position guys, on the quarterbacks to do the right thing. Obviously, they're still in the process of trying to add more wide receivers to the mix. Uh, we did find out today that, that Dante Wright is a guy that they obviously were in contact with, definitely wanted to keep here at CSU. They do intend to move him to more of a, a slot receiver, which makes sense. You know, I, There were a lot of things that they did with Dante Wright in, in the last couple of years that didn't make sense to me, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they're able to kind of put him in a position to best utilize his skills. And, and again, that's kind of the... That's kind of the theme of the today of today is just being flexible, uh, being flexible, and having that ability to to adapt. You know, the best coaches, best coaches, they adapt to their players, and and that's what really stood out to me about Matt Mummy. Obviously, I want to talk about that, so I'm just going to move into it. I had a couple of other points I was going to get to, but we'll just keep it rolling here. You know, the the beauty of the air raid is that it's fairly simple. I mean, it's you know, you spread it out. You do have a lot of concepts and variations of what you can do, but you know the, the point of the offense is, is relatively simple. We're trying to stretch the field. And the, the thing that's really stood out to me about Matt Mummy is his air raid is not his father's air raid. You know, how Mummy obviously created it and was able to kind of take some, you know, West Texas big gunslinging mindset and took a lot of the the concepts that they were running at BYU in the 80s and 90s and and was able to create this offense in the 80s. And the, the, the big difference with Matt Mummy's air raid is obviously that it operates out of the pistol. And that was something that he picked up actually after he separated from his dad from a, from a coaching perspective. I mean, he was at his dad. He was at New Mexico State with his dad in the WAC from 2005 to 2008. There, you know, they obviously faced Nevada, who used to be in the WAC, Chris Alt. Nevada's always run the pistol. And he just hated going up against it. You know, he, he felt like those offenses were just really hard for, for his teams to go up against. And, and so when he eventually moved on and became the head coach at LaGrange College, which is a private school in Georgia, he decided that he was going to take the air raid and implement some principles that he, that he learned, you know, from, from the West Coast offense and, and from the pistol. And it's really worked out well for him. And obviously, it was a match made in heaven when he then went to Nevada, teamed up with Norvell, because they've always run the pistol. So it just, it worked out really well. Um, I just, I like that he's willing to change it up. You know, I, I kind of talked about this point earlier, but his dad created this offense. He's been running it since the fourth grade. It would be easy for him to have the my way or the highway mentality to act like, you know, how dare you question the system or how dare you, you know, suggest something different because. You know, who knows this system better than me? But that's not how he is. You know, when he he wants to to put his teams in position based on the talent that they have, and he wants to to learn things from other coaches. And if, if it's working, he's gonna try it out. And, and I think that's really cool because I don't think that was the case with the last staff. I think it was a lot of just trying to to jam square pegs into circles, you know, like 
oh, I believe in this. I've always done it this way. It's going to work this way. Well, that's not necessarily true. You have to, you have to change things based on the guys you have. And, and that's what we saw out of Mummy at Nevada. It, it's not just saying it. He actually did it. You know, when, when he first got there, they had Ty Ganji at quarterback, who is a, a guy that I really enjoyed watching, actually. A dual threat guy, kind of a, a run and gun, you know, dual threat option. He could stretch the field. Like I said, he had a big arm, but he was basically the complete opposite of Carson Strong, who stays in that pocket, who's, you know, progressing through his reads and is basically just looking to, to rely on that arm because he's not, not the most mobile dude in the world, as, as Matt Mummy said today. Couldn't run out of sight in two days, which was a, a great coaching line. Um, but you know that offense when they had it under Ganji, they they really relied on on letting him improvise and, and run around and you know play action and just using his legs. When Carson got there, they flipped it. That's what good coaches do, and then that's why I'm really intrigued about Matt Mummy being in town. And and obviously, you know, if you listen to the DNBR Rams podcast. Nevada was my favorite team to watch these past couple of years, at least from the Mountain West side, because they were just so aggressive all the time. And I'm really, really pumped to, to have that mentality here in Fort Collins. And I'm, I'm really you know, hoping we could have a lot more interaction with these coordinators than we did the last couple of years, because I think we can just learn a lot from them. You know, obviously, you know, Matt Mummy is from a, a family that lives and breathes football. His perspective is great to get. I hope they have open practices like Norvell did at Nevada, not even so that we can be there all day. I'm not like one of those media guys that, you know, we don't need to be there at every second of practice. A lot of, a lot of it is, you know, not necessary, <laughs> but would be nice to be able to talk to the coordinators, you know, more than once a season. And I, I don't know that it's going to be that way, but it kind of seems like it. All right, let's, let's move on and talk about Freddie Banks. But one more thing here on Matt Mummy. I really like how honest he was when I asked him about, you know, the the you know, dirty little secret that is why players transfer and that's that their allegiances are much more tied to coaching staffs, to systems than it is the color of their jersey than the school that they attend and I know that a lot of coaches don't want to admit that publicly because it it kind of goes against what we romanticize about college football and that it's, you know, about everyone in the community and and all of that and all of those aspects are are still great and they they still are a big part of college football but in this modern era the players you know they have some flexibility to to do what's best for them and i know that it it sucks when your team just gets gutted it's a brutal situation i mean when you look at wyoming right now or or cu i mean they're getting absolutely gutted by the transfer portal and that's brutal when you're you just have to sit there and you know Oh, I can't criticize anyone. Like, you know, you, you the fans are loyal to see to CSU, to see you, to whatever school they root for. Players, not so much. You know, it's it's about doing what's best for them. And, you know, Matt, he kind of laid it out bluntly. He's like, look, we didn't have to coerce these players to want to come over. They they came to Nevada in the first place because these coaches had established a relationship with them that went back multiple years. They stayed at Nevada because they liked playing for them. They were sold on that system. They had an opportunity to stay in it. It's obviously easy to transfer within the conference now. So they did, you know, and I just, I respect that he laid it out so bluntly. Cause again, I think so many 
so many coaches just try and tap dance around it and, and lie or, you know, just act like it's not happening, but it is. So let's just say, let's, you know, call spade a spade. Players want to transfer because they're doing what's best for them. They have that right. Respect it. It's fine. It is what it is. It's still exciting. I think the transfer portal has added a completely different layer of offseason to college football that we didn't necessarily have before. I mean, there was recruiting. It's not like we didn't talk about college football year round, but it really is different now. I mean, it's kind of like NFL or NBA free agency or something. And I, I get why people don't like it. I get that it makes it harder to establish continuity long term. I get why the fans don't like it. Um, but it's it's just the situation we're in. And so I, I like that these coaches are just kind of putting it out there and saying, you can be upset about it. You know, I think this is probably more directed towards you know Nevada people, but it's just the reality of the, of the game now. And, and players want to play for coaches they like. We saw it with CU with Christian Gonzalez following his position coach from CU to Oregon. I mean, it's just the game now. It, it is what it is. Now that Louis Adazio is at Nevada, we might see some of these offensive linemen that came in you know, to play under Steve transfer over there. Like, okay. <laughs> it, it's, it's just part of the process. Anyways, I, I want to talk about defense, but the NFL playoffs are here. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can bet, can get, excuse me, 56 to one odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet $5, win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. All customers can get in with the DraftKings Hammer the Over promotion. For every 5,000 bettors who take the over for Saturday night's New England Buffalo game, the point total will lower by half a point. I think it's at like 27 right now. Hammer the Over has hit every single time DraftKings has run it, so bettors won when the first point was scored. Hopefully we can get it down there again. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet $5. Win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's with the promo code DNVR this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Speaking of DraftKings, I'm going to give out my DraftKings pick of the week. We're getting to that time where there's no football games, and that's what I love to rely on for this. You know, spreads, the easy, fast plays. And now we're kind of getting into futures bet territory and, and kind of the long play. I've been really enticed by the, M the NBA MVP odds of late. If you look, Steph Curry is currently the betting uh, favorite, followed shortly by Kevin Durant. Nikola Jokic is up there. The guy I'm really intrigued by right now, John Morant, the Memphis Grizzlies. You can get that at plus 3,000 on DraftKings Sportsbook. It's not that I necessarily think that Ja is the best player in the NBA or he's going to win or anything like that. I just think from a value perspective, it's one of the best plays you can make because in a year where it's all just kind of the same, like, you know, Steph is the favorite, but his numbers are kind of down. Brooklyn's a weird situation. The Nuggets are a weird situation. There is a realistic scenario in which Memphis makes a run. Ja gets that credit. So I just really love the value at plus 3,000. Again, I'm not, not saying he's going to win, but I do think he's firmly in that conversation, and I think that value is only going to get worse as it goes on. So why not take advantage now? On DraftKings Pick of the Week, John Morant, who in the NBA MVP, 
Get that plus 3,000 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Okay, let's talk Freddie Banks, and then let's move on to Utah State, wrap up with some hoops talk. Um, we, we don't know quite as much about Banks. Mummy, obviously, I've been diving into for a couple weeks now just because he's beneficial. You know, that hire's been on the table. We knew this Banks move was happening for a couple weeks, but, you know, today was the first time we got to talk with him, really learn much about him. He talked about his idol, Scotty Hastings, who's the uh, Michigan State defensive coordinator, uh, coached him at North Dakota State. I look forward to kind of diving into some of their defenses and seeing what I can learn about Banks from it. Haven't had that opportunity yet, obviously. Um, but the main thing he, he kind of talked about is he wants his defenders to play aggressive, but he also wants to simplify things. You know, he he wants to be able to identify a couple of things that everybody does really, really well, and then just have them do that over and over again. You know, do one to three things well. You don't have to do five, six things perfectly. And, and just identify those roles and kind of get everybody to buy in to what they're expected to do. You know, one of the examples he laid out is there might be a, a defensive end who's better suited on first and second down that, you know, can defend the run that is, is going to fill those gaps. But there might be a guy that just is a bat out of hell on third down and can really get after the quarterback. And if that's the case, they're going to play that guy on third down because he's better in that situation. Or, you know, if you're the defensive end and you're blowing up the tackle so that a linebacker can make a tackle on the you know, outside, be excited about that. He just wants everybody to embrace their roles and not feel like they have to do everything because, you know, when you're trying to to do everything, I think you can just think too much. And I I do think we saw that with some of the the CSU defenders, especially late in the year, you know, when injuries were a big factor and the depth just wasn't there and they had guys playing really probably too many snaps in the trenches. So I'm, I think this is going to be an intriguing option. I mean, when you watch the NFL, there's so much rotation that happens, you know, in that front seven. And really that just wasn't the case with CSU. It was, yeah, we got like seven, eight dudes. There's a little bit of rotation here and there at edge and a little bit of movement on the interior. But other than that, it's the same linebackers, same defensive end. And we're going to run that 80 snaps a game. And you could just see in the fourth quarter how they would wear down. So I I really like this approach and I think it's going to be good. And I also think you're going to be able to get some guys more snaps and develop them better. That's the other thing, you know, it was so tough for CSU defensively to have some of these guys fill in at the end. It's just because they weren't getting any playing time up until then. Now all of a sudden they've got to, you know, fill this starting role, play 60 plus snaps. And it was just, it was a disaster. So I like that. You know, he's excited to reunite with Jay Norvell. I'm intrigued to see what he does. Um, bringing over a couple of FCS guys and Adam Pillapel and, um, Buddha Williams, who's going to coach the defensive line, actually coached against him in the FCS National Championship game because he was over at North Dakota State. I'm interested to see how that kind of all plays out. I, I don't think it's that big of a gap. I mean, obviously, we see FCS teams beat Mountain West teams pretty frequently. Um, so, you know, I'm not really worried about that or anything like that. But I, I just I, I liked Freddie Banks's demeanor. I liked what we were able to learn from him today. I'm interested to see in what he brings to these defensive backs, it's it's a small sample size, but from what he was able to accomplish this season as the Montana State defensive coordinator, I, I really think he's going to fit in well with what kind of CSU is trying to establish. Just, you know, aggressive defense. Obviously, Norvell wants to play man coverage, bump and run, and they got to go out and, and, you know, find some guys that can do it. Kelly Lyle asked him, 
you know, there, there have been coaches over the years that have kind of made excuses in regards to, oh, you know, we can't find that type of player. You know, we can't find those type of corners that can play bump and run in, in the Mountain West because if they were good enough to play man, you know, they'd be scooped up by the SEC and all that. And, you know, Banks was, he was smart. You know, he didn't like clap back or anything like that. And he tried to be respectful. And he's like, look, I don't, I don't know who said that. He's like, but I think there's more than enough guys that to, to go out there and find. And, and the big thing that he laid out is, when you're recruiting high school, the best athletes on the field aren't necessarily playing cornerback. They're getting the football, you know, <laughs> they're, getting, they're wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. The ball is in their hand every single play because they're just the best athletes on the field and the coaches want to have the best opportunity to win. That's usually, you know, relying on your best athletes. So what they're going to do is, you know, go out and find some of these running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, wherever they may be playing, and they're going to turn them into cornerbacks and they're going to coach them up and they're going to develop them. But it's identifying those raw traits and, you know, kind of being able to to make it work. It's, you know, finding solutions, not excuses. And I like that because I, I think far too frequently that is an easy cop out for coaches at the G5 level. Like, oh, you know, we couldn't get a good quarterback because the guy we offered was recruited by, you know, a power five. And, and sometimes that is the case. Sometimes there's just going to be a bigger school with more resources and you're not going to be able to, to bring in the guys that you want. You know, that's the reality of the game sometimes. Sometimes it's also just, you know, G5 coaches kind of using that as an excuse. Like, clearly, if you work hard enough, you can pull a Clay Millen every now and then. And, and that's what Norvell talked about. He's like, you know, we just we want to establish relationships with these guys. And it's really worked for them so far. And it, it's seeming to really work well. CSU. All right. That's I think that's enough for, for what we learned today. Um, I do want to talk about the basketball game, though. Kind of a weird game against Utah State last night. Um, so we're going to get into that. And I don't know. I just, I people need to relax a little bit. You know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have high standards, especially with a team that's as talented as this is. But I mean, they're 12 and one. They're stacked with talent. And anytime there's like a rough four minute stretch or, you know, somebody misses a couple of free throws, maybe a couple of open jump shots. The knee jerk reaction that ensues is it's just absurd. It's this isn't the NBA, guys. It's not Steph Curry out there shooting. It's not Nikola Jokic at the free throw line. They are going to miss open shots sometimes. Even the best college basketball teams still have, you know, five plus pretty ugly games a year because it's amateur basketball, guys. It, it just is. This team is so talented. They play with so much poise. I feel like the fan base at times is kind of trying to manufacture crises that just don't exist. We have seen now over two years, over such a large sample size, that the Rams are, are not just one of the best offensive teams in the Mountain West. They're one of the more efficient offensive teams in the entire country. Isaiah Stevens has one of the best assist-to-turnover ratios in the country. David Roddy is one of the most efficient scorers in the country. We don't need to freak out that this team is not, you know, firing on all cylinders right now when they just had 24 days off. And I get that they've now played three games in, in about eight days. And, and we should kind of see that rust kind of subside here in, in the in the future games. But I also get that, you know, it's it's not gonna look like it like it did in that opening night victory against Oral Roberts when you've been practicing for weeks and, you know, 
everything was in sync and you're ready to go and you've got the energy of the crowd and the excitement of the season. And I don't know. I just think at times Ram fans need to be a little bit more realistic with their expectations, a little bit more, I don't know, tempered, I guess, with the with the way that they they approach watching these games. Cause I mean, some of y'all are gonna have an aneurysm, dog. I mean, I'm getting tweets left and right. And like when I start getting tweets about like Roddy, you know, criticizing Roddy or Stevens, it's just one of those where I'm just like, what are you watching? What are you watching? It was the same deal, you know, with Trey McBride this past fall. I'm like, I get, you know, if if you want to criticize him, you could say the guy had a few too many unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, you know, that type of stuff. But so what? He's the Mackey Award winner and he plays his ass off every single down. I'm not going to nitpick over every little thing. It's college sports. Just enjoy it a little bit. All right. Now that I've been able to get that off my chest, I can calmly talk about the game and how it played out. And uh, David Roddy and, and, and Stevens were their typical awesome selves in this one. I mean, David Roddy gets 24 points. Isaiah Stevens finishes with 22. Roddy gets six rebounds. Isaiah Stevens paces the squad in assists with four in a team high 35 minutes. Was also plus 13 in that time. So good to see that he's making use of his minutes and just continuing to score again, kind of going back to my last point here. This team is producing at an insane rate. I, I get that some of the guys outside of Roddy and Stevens aren't really firing at their full capability offensively. I mean, Kendall Moore's had like, I don't even know, 10 air balls in the last three games. Adam Thistlewood missed like four you know, wide open threes as well. Um, that said, I just, I don't think Nico Medved is going to be eager to shake the lineup, shake up the lineup anytime soon. I asked him about it last night and and he didn't outright say he won't, but he did, you know, add how much they trust these veterans. And I just, I think they're trying to, to do right by their guys. You know, these are guys that have just, played such big roles in laying the foundation and helping establish this winning culture. I mean, it, it was an absolute disaster at Moby not that long ago, guys. And, and Adam and Kendall have played just such a big role in it. And I get that, you know, they're not scoring at the same rate that we're used to, but they're also, you know, like seamlessly taking steps back and letting these younger guys shine and not complaining about it and seeing their minutes decrease and, still going out and playing hard defense and making that extra pass and going for rebounds and just doing the, the doing the little work. And at the end of the day, like keeping them in the starting lineup, one, it's a recognition of the role that they've played in establishing the success of this program. But it's also just, you know, mutual respect between player and coach. And ultimately, other than appearances, does it really matter that much? Like, you need reserves that are going to come in and score anyways. What they're doing from a rotational side, it's working. And at the end of the day, the best guys are going to play more minutes anyways. So like, I get that Jalen Lake is really flashing right now. I get that Chandler Jacobs is, is living up to you know the expect, high expectations that everybody had. Those guys are going to play you know 22 to 25 minutes a night. Well, maybe not quite that many, like 18 to 24 minutes a night based on situation. You know, Adam played 13 minutes last night. I saw him after the game, you know, chatting him up. He was in a great mood, pumped that they won. These guys are good teammates. They're good teammates. And I just, 
I, I like when coaches do right by their guys. I think it, I think it benefits you long-term and I think shaking up the lineup, although I understand why there is some interest there because these guys off the bench are playing so well. I think if you're, you're the coaches, you take this and when you're out recruiting, you say, look how we, you know, stay right by our guys. Look what we do for them. We play them early. And even when we bring in more talent, we keep them in their spots. I don't, I just, I think it's the long plan. I think it's the right one. I do think maybe you explore some stuff later in the season, you know, if guys are injured or if, you know, they just never end up finding their shot this season. But even so, I, I still think like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, what you're doing is working. And I like the benefit of being able to bring in Jalen Lake and Tanjay, you know, guys that just all of a sudden can hit three threes in a couple of minutes. And obviously Jacobs, what he can do defensively, and we're starting to see him, you know, a little bit more confident on the offensive end as well. Whew, look out. Look out. But I think what just makes this team different is ultimately they just want to win. They're all willing to serve their roles. I mean, we kind of talked about talked about that with with football here a couple minutes ago, right? Like being willing to take a little bit less individual shine, maybe have a little bit less responsibility, but doing what you do really well for the the greater benefit of the team. And that's what the Rams do. And, and that's why they're so fun to watch. And that's why on any given night, you know, it might be Tanjay that beats you. It might be Jalen Lake that beats you. It usually is Stevens or Roddy that end up, you know, beating you to death. But this team is just different. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how they close it out. Really looking forward to Saturday's matchup. Obviously, the first opportunity for the Rams to face a 10-mile squad since he returned to the Mountain West. Still don't understand how the league dropped the ball on that one and didn't have San Jose State coming to Moby Arena where 10 miles is beloved and the cry would have been a sellout. would have been an awesome atmosphere. And instead, it's going to be in San Jose where they don't have fans and there's going to be like 100 people in the arena. And it was... Mountain West. The Mountain West is going to Mountain West. We'll we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> My apologies to everybody watching the game on TV last night. It sounds like there were some technical delays over the last couple of seconds. Um, Ram fans watching at home actually missed the last couple of seconds. And it, it sounds like they lost the feed. Originally, people were tweeting at me that they just cut to commercial. And I was like, what? That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. I think they lost the feed and that's why they cut to commercial. You cut them a little bit of slack. I mean, I get it. It's, it's tough out there trying to produce a, a live product. So I get that. Trust me. But I, I just, I feel for the Rams fans that missed that one. Cause it really did come down to the final wire. They had to, they had to execute three inbound scenarios over the final 30 seconds. Uh, one of the times the Aggies actually defended it well for CSU to call a timeout at the last second. And, you know, obviously the Rams had to do some really clutch free throw shooting down the stretch as well made eight over the final 30 seconds, made 14 in a row to close out the game. And that's winning basketball, guys. That's what that's what winning teams do. And this was just a huge, huge performance in a must-win situation for CSU. I don't I don't want to be too overreactionary to the San Diego State loss. And that was, you know, kind of why I tried to stop tweeting about it after really like 48 hours, because it was a fluky outcome in a in a tough situation. It sucks that CSU played their worst game of the season on the same day that San Diego State happened to play their best, but that's college basketball. That's college basketball. And we saw this Rams team respond in a major way against a really stout defensive unit in Utah State. They always play really physical. 
they're they're always going to challenge you. Obviously, they they never laid down in that one. <laughs> Anytime CSU tried to pull away, they just oh another seven zero run from Utah State, and all of a sudden it's a it's a one possession game. But I want to shout out Chandler Jacobs for the impact he made on this one defensively. I think his addition to the the program is. I think it's legitimately worth like two to three wins this season. That's how big of an impact I think he makes individually. Just he, you can put him on the opposing team's best wing. You can put him on a point guard. He was defending Utah State's five in the paint at times yesterday. I mean, there's just nothing on the floor that he can't do, and it's that versatility that he and and Roddy and and Tanjay and some of these guys have that that makes the Rams just such a tough cover. And I don't know, they're just so fun to watch, man. I, I I love covering this team and I really enjoy creating content about them. And I know you guys enjoy consuming it because the, the numbers are great. So I'm looking forward to, to continuing it over the weekend. Obviously we will cover that San Jose state game in depth. Um, I've got some recruiting stuff to write about from football. The Rams added a former P five kicker, the Oregon starting kicker from last season, drawing a blank on his name at the moment. Don't want to call him the wrong name. So we'll go over that on tomorrow's podcast, get into that as well. Thank you to everybody that continues to support our content. You know, you guys make my dreams come true. Allow me to to do what I love for a living. And without all of you guys, none of it would be possible. So shout out to you. Now's a great time to become a DNVR member. Um, we've got awesome, exclusive content for our DNVR members. It's NFL draft season. If you're into that, we're really going to ramp up our draft coverage. Obviously, big implications here in the Mile High City with the Broncos. Make sure you check out everything the Broncos guys are doing as well. Uh, We've got the draft pod once a week. I think that's about it. I think that's about it. So much love to all of you. Thank you for tuning in to DNVR Rams Live presented by Chevalier Mortgage. I'll be back with the DNVR Rams podcast tomorrow. It will be in your podcast feeds as usual. Much love, y'all. Go Rams. 